Okay, does she want a beer or not? I was trying to, <laughs> I was trying to figure out. Trying to gauge. Do you want a beer, Caitlin? Yeah, that, yeah. Girl. that a girl. I'm just playing Angry Birds. Good. Hey, we got a gamer girl. in the house. Hey, gamer. <laughs> Kayla Metcalf, I play <laughs> Angry Birds, and I spell it E-sports. Sports Law History. I'm your host, Jamie Mixon, aka Sports on Blonde, here today with special guests Chris, Ryan, and Matt. If you like what you hear, subscribe and rate us via iTunes or Stitcher. Follow me on Twitter at Sports Law Blonde and check out the blog SportsLawBlondes.com. This is episode six, NALCS restructuring plus League of Loggers. We will be talking about governance updates in the world of esports, specifically Riot's NALCS restructuring, because although this is present day, this truly is history in the making. These changes could help game developers boost esports popularity in the U.S. to equal its international predominance. But legally speaking, they need to be careful. So here's what we had to say on the topic after playing League of Loggers. Knowing that this is classy sports law history, and normally we'd want to talk about something that happened in the past, something really special has been happening lately, and it's essentially history in the making. And with it being the summer splits right now, I think it's super relevant, and because it is in the making, and it's something that I think a lot of people, whether they are fans of esports now or will be in the future, should become aware of. Um, I want to focus on a lot of the esports governance and restructuring that's going on right now, particularly Riot's League of Legends. Today, I have a few uh, special guests, which I'm super excited to introduce to you. Y'all might remember uh, Chris Chabilski, um from Episode 2. What's up, guys? I'm also here with Matt Higley from Episodes 1 and 2. I'm back! <laughs> <laughs> and for the first time, I'm here with my pseudo-brother, Ryan Hunt. Oh. So I guess um, go around and introduce yourselves. Um, wh- what games you play, um, kind of what sparked your interest. And then I also kind of want to know, because there's this hilarious debate about how do you spell esports in particular like how do you spell it do you spell it with like lowercase e capital s all all caps all lowercases or a hyphen how do you do it why why does it matter (laughs) it matters for a lot of reasons like how are are journalists supposed to write about it like how it's supposed to be legitimate e-sports so so start from chris and go around circle um Hey guys, uh, this is Chris Shabilsky. Um, I play League of Legends a lot. Uh, do a lot of MMOs on the side as well. Uh, Hearthstone. Um, right now I just picked up Elder Scrolls Online because it was free. And so I said, hey, why not? That's kind of, those are the big ones. Uh, we do a little bit of console gaming with at the, at the house between me and Matt. Right now he picked up Skyrim again. So we're trying to purge our way through that. But uh, And it's, it's E, I think it's lowercase E. Sports, I guess, is the best way of saying it. <laughs> uh, Matt Higley here. Um, I really don't play any online sports. Uh, my history with you know these esports is Chris kind of got me into it. I 
got drunk one night and it was on and got really into it. And that was pretty much the state of... That was a good way of putting it. Uh, it, was, it was on TV and, you know, the, as the night got on, Chris was yelling at the TV and I was like, yeah, I'm going to yell at the TV. And so I picked it up yelling at it and created names for all the guys that aren't the real names. I play, like Chris said, I play a lot of console games. And... You play Smite too, right? I did. I, I mean, I didn't play it like competitively. Yeah, console. Right. I, I, yeah, console. I wasn't good at it. I don't, I, I don't have a gaming computer. I don't even own a computer. So that's what I have a phone in my pocket for, right? Um, <laughs> Pissing people off. Uh, pretty much. Uh, East, uh, if I were to say, it would just be E-Sports, I guess. I don't know. Uh, I'm Ryan. Um, I've been one of Jamie's best friends for almost 15 years, I think. And uh, I actually play Smite, the uh, third-person action MOBA by High Res Studios. I don't. I've tried League of Legends, and it wasn't. It wasn't my cup of tea. I can't handle the top-down, clicky-clicky uh, type of gameplay. It's not for yeah, me. Superior gameplay. Smite. Smite. <laughs> Smite feels like a like an MMO, and that's what I that's what I used to play in high school and college. So that's that just fit better for me. Um, and I got into the esports scene in Smite. Just I don't know. I was playing it, and they were advertising it, and I so I I remember I watched uh, after it happened. I watched the season two. Finals, which was the big one that that Smite had a giant crown raise crowd crowdfunding uh, for their their million or two million dollar prize pool for that tournament, and uh, I thought, wow, this is really cool. And then I started getting into esports. Um, I also play Hearthstone and just a smattering of other just single player games on the side. And then y'all know me, I'm Jamie. I don't play anything. <laughs> I don't have as cool of a story. Oh, can I say that I'm the one that taught Jamie uh, how MOBAs work? <laughs> yeah, I was actually gonna. That's a I was. I, I was. I was I, yeah, I was actually gonna just say that. That whole um on my sports law blonde blog, the, all the knowledge that I started to gain, all a lot of the interest in the month or so leading up to me writing that blog series was from Ryan. He got me interested in it because I realized how many of my friends actually played these games and I knew that this was going to be like a huge thing because as a tomboy growing up I played video games but never to it never got to be something that I played through college and stuff um, beyond just sitting at my friends computers who are playing well yeah I mean everybody plays I remember when one time in high school where you you, we were at like a some party at Brooks, and you played Halo, and like was, were beating all the guys. I was actually good. Really I was mad. very, I was I very good at Halo. Good. They right? were really mad that you were beating them. I will give a shout out to it Ryan Bauer. Awesome. Ryan Bauer yeah, taught Bauer's. me how to play Halo. Um, so I knew how to play Halo, and then in college, I would just go into my guy friends' dorms, and they would be the ones playing, and I would be on the headset. So, I would be talking. <laughs> no worse embarrassment, right? So, these some of my guy friends who were really good at Halo would be annihilating these people, and they were thinking it was me, because I would be saying all these blonde ditzy things. Um, How many friend requests did they get after the game, too, right? That's another question. I don't know the specific, uh, specifics of that, but it was always a good time. <laughs> and I think it's all lowercase esports. 
Well, if we look it up on Wikipedia... Yeah, what does Wikipedia say? Wikipedia has a lowercase e and a capital S, so eSports... I was going to say... Like that. Esports is just this big general thing, and um, there are so many different games, as you can kind of gather from this. Like, everybody plays a different game, but it's all put under this one big umbrella of esports. And one of the big issues of it, governance wise, and from my standpoint as an attorney, is how do you regulate these things? Like, how. How do you talk about these things? Because they are so different. Some are team sports, some are individual players, games, um, and then all the different developers, all the different deals that they all come through, all the different teams within those games. One game developer in particular has kind of stood out as kind of a groundbreaker for how to run these competitions and, and rules and regulations, and that's been Riot with League of Legends. Like I said, normally we wouldn't talk about something that is happening like right now, right at this moment. But just recently they announced that they were going to restructure their entire North American League Championship Series, NALCS, and how it's run and how it's operated. And there are a few areas of focus that they wanted to, I guess, focus on, for lack of a better <laughs> For lack of a... Whatever we want to focus on, these three areas to focus on. Right, yeah. Um, The first one is they wanted to change the structure to encourage long-term investments. The second is they wanted to share league revenue to provide a better foundation for their team pros. And then they also wanted to give pros a larger voice and better protections. And just from a broad scope, that touches based on a lot of concerns that I've seen legally and stuff. But... There is a lot happening from that. Um, I know Chris knows how, like, the details of how it's run right now. And one of the big things is they're totally changing their structure. We'll get into the details in a bit later. But right now, I mean, they're going from total regulation or relegation thing to they're going to select... 10 teams through an intricate process. So right now, and I can give a, another rundown on kind of how it works right now. The way the eSports League works for League of Legends, um, there are 12, 10 to 12 competitive spots that you earn via uh, promotion uh, promotion series through the Challenger scene. Um, most of this was set up originally with the, uh, with the number in, in mind of 10 or 12. And... Uh, more as more teams joined, you had to purchase your own spot in. Once you purchase a spot in, then you kind of work your way in uh, to actually uh, playing on a top tier competitive league. And now Riot has actually branched that out into a bunch of different regions. So to play in Riot's league, you have to uh, pay Riot a certain amount of money to get a, a spot, and then you actually can uh, work your way up. It gets a little fuzzy when you have B sides and. Um, if you can actually have like a rookie team that you're bringing up, and it changes per region a little bit too. So the big two that uh, I think this kind of applies to, and any changes that really apply to, would be North America, um, North America and Europe. With uh, Brazil, I think South America, Brazil is probably on the come up. That you'd see something like this happen too. But since we're kind of focusing on United States law, we should probably stick there. So, so they're not, they're not, that this isn't like a whole riot wide thing. This is only a. So they're, North America. they're testing only changing. It. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Right so now they're, they're only doing. A test in North America. Okay. And um, the North American League will change to this, this model. And you'll probably see something similar get rolled out. And a lot of times the way Riot does it 
is they have uh, they have an esports division that kind of oversees their own little area. Mm-hmm. So I would tell I would call North America their best test market because it's as close as home as they could possibly get, right? Uh, and they can get a lot of instant feedback on exactly what they're doing. So league structure wise, you've got two tiers: top tier where you get to play in, bottom tier where you get to where you can work your way up through, and those kind of reflect themselves in most of the regions. Bottom tier, you're kind of talking about. Are you talking about like the challenger? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Smite is is structured very is it's structured very similar. The same way. It's it's exactly the same way. It's got a challenger circuit of X amount of teams that are always trying. And then every single split, they've got uh, a relegation kind yeah. of tournament or something. And the bottom teams that are in the league have to fight against the top teams in the challenger circuit. Right. And the winners get into the right. Uh, um, in the league, and that's so exact, what, they probably modeled it after league because yeah. it worked so well. Yeah, and I guess that's one good thing that like League of Legends has had on um, Riot has had their hands in and has overseen everything with its structure, with how its um, tournaments are operated and who hosts everything. And now they're going in an entirely different direction. Can you talk about how, <coughs> how relegation works? I mean, I, so, it was tough for me when I, I understand it now, but when I first heard the term relegation, okay. I sure. didn't understand what it was. So, so and, and Ryan could probably add in a couple things here we've seen from Smites. So the way it works uh, in the league, you have um, uh, the challenger scene is uh, players of a lesser caliber normally. So, uh, and as they win, if they win their division, they're given the opportunity to play against the bottom tier teams from the actual top tier division. Yeah, they have a and, they have a, a separate tournament right. called the Challenger Circuit in, in Smite. I don't know what it's called in League. Yeah, is it the same thing? Similar, it's, yeah. It's called it's, and, and so the the top teams usually it's, it's a tournament, you know, and and in it the top teams that were in the relegation league play against. The, at the end of it, after they go through the tournament against the other relegation teams, they go against the bottom. The, usually, in Smite, it's the two worst teams that were in the, the Smite Pro League. And then the winner of the split right. will get into the Smite Pro League, whether it's the Pro League team holding their spot. So do they have a, do they have a, do they actually do a, a game a head-to-head and then let them swap that way? Or do or is it the, uh, the bottom team in the top tier division and Smite actually always gets relocated and the top team in their Challenger Series always gets bumped up? No, they have a head-to-head. Okay. All right. So same thing. So same, yeah. exactly the same. So in League, what you end up with is uh, a, a small tournament where the top two teams play against the, the bottom two or three teams from the uh, from the pro. the pro side, and they see if they can swap. Let's talk about the change. What's changing? It sounds like oh yeah. It sounds like to me because because they want to they want to change and they want to um they want more long term because because the downside of the challenger circuit team is that any team could get kicked out of the SPL any time. Yeah. Right. If you're if you're performing poorly, you could get kicked out of, of the. Uh, sorry, Prime I, example. I said, I said SPL. I know. You yeah. Yeah. Same of, you could get kicked yeah. out of the LCS at any time. So um, prime example, uh, uh, Team Liquid <laughs> is a uh, team in the in the LCS right now. We're watching that, uh, and who we happen to have on the TV L- uh, in the LCS right now who had a miserable split last season. Yeah. But they are a they're a perennial they're a decent organization. They take care of their players yep. like they're a, they're a trusted name inside yep. of esports, and um, there was a chance that they just get they just get knocked out. There's nothing like that, and they were just having a miserable time. They ended up getting lucky. 
they uh, at towards the end of the season they picked up they picked up one of the best uh, eighty carries in the league who was taking a break from League of Legends. Who uh, was? Double lift. So he plays for TSM right now. He played for TSM last year too. He was uh, taking a break off in the spring, and uh, they convinced him to come so play. So Liquid with picked so him up. Liquid what, and picked then him just up. What he moved to TSM? Uh, it was kind of one of those uh, tongue in cheek, wink wink kind of agreements where. Uh, he was going to come back no matter what. Um, so and they, so they, they picked him up to, to, they picked to him win up their to, Challenger. To stave off Challenger Series. And a lot of people okay. got a little bit pissed off about that yeah. because that seemed kind of... Shady. It's like um, the big the big problem is and the reason, like kind of the genesis for a lot of these changes is is very is something very close to that. So where uh, a team gets knocked out, a team no longer exists in the top tiers of the, the sporting world. So... We equate it to like the remember when the Pistons won the, the championship early in the two thousands. You had those five guys; they were great. Everybody yeah. Remembered them. The Backstreet or Backstreet Boys, Bad Boys Two were coming back at you, <laughs> and then all of a sudden, like those guys got old. They're not as good as anymore. They're still a decent basketball team. They're still competing in the NBA at a decent enough level, but uh, they start slumping. Um, one of the things that ends up happening is you. So say your team slumps all the way down to the bottom of the barrel. Uh, in League of Legends, you could just let those five guys go, nobody, no issue, right? You mm-hmm. could just say, gone, don't worry about it. And uh, your sponsors might just also come through and say, hey, you're not putting on a good enough product, so we're pulling out. Mm-hmm. So now the team doesn't have any money, it might not have yeah. any players, it might not have any sponsors, and so you've pretty much, you, the for better, for better or worse, it's all imploded. Right. And once it's imploded, uh, that team, that whole organization you've been working with for a long time has is ceases to exist what do you do and especially because the contracts were never really monitored or regulated yeah. they were really even sponsorship contracts yeah. between a between a team and a sponsor so well because it's not it's because team. so it's the sponsorship contracts are how the team makes money yeah. the team doesn't make money off the league Right. The team makes money off of uh, their players showing yeah. up to stuff and that's so one of the big have, changes yeah uh, oh all these smart. that's a See, that's the right decision. That's why we keep you around. <laughs> Not because I'm host, but because I bring. <laughs> but because I bring the box of beer. Yeah. The um. So what ends up so what ends up happening is you end up with a, a team that's uh, a shell of its former self. Isn't yeah. able to support anybody. Now you're at, now you're now you're out a bunch of people. Jesus, sounds so familiar. Yeah, that's right. a good way of putting so it. So the yeah. changes that Riot's making. They're basically. Um, it sounds like, from what you described of the of the uh, the challenger circuit, they're they're treating now the the pro league like they used to treat the challenger circuit, where it's, you pay to get in, right? You have to go through an application process to get in. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of I've read the forums. A lot of players are really mad. A lot of just general players and fans are really mad about this because they feel like riots copping out. Like they're like it's going to be pay to get in now. It's not going to be like like. It's not mm-hmm. going to be the uh, mm-hmm. the uh, um, uh, the what did you say Cloud Nine yeah. story yeah. where it's just five five friends who are super good at league right but I mean, fight their I mean, way I mean, up they're, they're, going, they're going to be more like a you look at every single professional sports league in the North America where they're testing it that's how it works so many people are focusing on the ten million dollar buyout number and they shouldn't be focusing on that. They should be focusing on the actual four-step pro, like the four yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they, layer like, process that Riot is actually putting on being, like, it's essentially like, what, like you think about what a city has to go through in order to host the Olympics or in order to get a bid for an MLS team or something mm-hmm. nowadays. 
there is a series of questions that they want answered, and it's because they want something long-term. And they've actually worked in a little bit of room. So, I mean, beyond all the financial stability questions and everything like that, if one of the teams sucks, like, year after year... Yeah. They can boot them out and bring somebody else they in. The, yeah, what is it like around. if they're in the ni- if they're in the ninth or tenth for like four of five years or they something don't like show, that? They don't show like organizational growth. They're allowed to boot them. Yeah. It's a yeah. good way. It's a good way to like. It's a good way to maintain good partners, right? Yeah. And I think part of part of what they're doing is is if they're going to make this thing <coughs> a, a, a have staying power, right? Because that's that's the big fear. How long does League of Legends stay popular? Or how long does really any esports stay popular? Mm-hmm. Um, how do you turn? How do you turn CSGO something that's a CS:GO? CS:GO. They're they're, they're gold. like they're, they're gold. been around since they're fine. Two thousand two. They're they're the epitome. Done really anything to that game since? No, they've done three huge updates where they revamped the graphics. You notice how I just stopped there? That was about it. That's it. You have to worry about about. Staying power, like CS:GO has shown us that esports can have staying power. But I think there's also a difference with individual games and team games. So, well, in CS:GO, CS:GO is a team game. Um, it, it's it's an interesting. It's it's a weird spot because uh, one game does not a trend make, right? So, mm-hmm. are we at a point where we can True. say that where we can say that uh, League of Legends and CS:GO and uh, if there's Dota. another I don't know Dota Dota actually Dota's yeah. got some staying power too it it's, it showed its resiliency the are we looking at games where they've actually hit the point where they can hang around like the hockeys the footballs the baseballs and the soccers mm-hmm. because this model is supposed to be player fo- like they obviously player they want obviously they want the fans to be happy but it's supposed to um kind of close that gap that like the equity gap yeah. From from players and teams to the league because the players were kind of being oppressed. <laughs> a lot of the players weren't getting so, all of the rights and everything that they were supposed to yeah. get. They weren't getting the proper representation. And so Riot's trying to step in and be like, well, we want player rights to be acknowledged. We want all this stuff to happen. And maybe this model will help it happen. And maybe it'll actually help it make those players become better. And then in the world international spectrum maybe they'll be able to compete better against the eu team and the korean team and stuff so i have i I do have one more question about about the uh um getting in being a part of the pro league restructure yeah you know i i do agree that um a lot of people are focused on a 10 million dollar buy-in and it's like don't focus on that but i agree i i do think that that having having it more regulated by riot just like how the the NFL regulates teams and the N- and the NHL regulates teams that join the league, having a definite a um, definitive number ha- of teams, having definitive requirements will, is better for the long term healthiness of the league and the teams. Here's my question: What is with, without a challenger circuit? What is Riot's way of bringing in new players and new blood and new team into the league? The challenger what system. What are they doing? Are they the, still have the challenger system? The challenger system, system yeah. is essentially their D league. Yeah, they're 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 they are. So if you if if you read the whole the whole thing what they were talking about, <laughs> oh, you should have. Oh no, it's okay. <laughs> but no, this is good because so, so basically, yeah. basically they are so all of the challenger teams are going to be given a buyout opportunity, and that basically that which which means is the top tier teams have the opportunity to buy out. 
them. If they don't get bought out, Riot will compensate them mm-hmm. for. When you say team. buyout, you mean the team gets bought out by a, an org. So like so so, so the, I don't but know. The, the group, the players get the players as one team get bought out by a team that's in the yes. LCS to bring them into the pro league. Yes. Uh, well, to bring them to bring them, to bring them into, into the, the challenger. To bring so, them so into like an academy style program yeah. where they can be developed as better professionals. They're calling it the academy league as of now. Oh. I don't know if they'll change yeah. the name. So, so, or so, whatever, so, but, so like basically yeah. like one of the teams is up for sale. TSM's like, all right, we'll buy. We're gonna buy this team, and now this team is like the this Toledo, is your, is your it's minor like, league. It's like the Toledo Mudheads of TSM. So every team that wants to try and apply to become one of these ten. Teams for the NALCS. Is it only ten? Only ten. They're limited to ten. Um, so they have to actually. Um, right, right, right. Like a yeah. whole like. And right, actually, series. um, like they put out like these are some of the types of questions we're gonna be asking. Like the brand plan. How does the team plan to engage and acquire fans? What's Boom. their strategy for providing value to fans through merchandise content opportunities? Boom. Why should fans support them? Boom. And so they. So in addition to that, they ask um a few. They're going to be asking particular questions to owners like who will be working with the pro players. How much does the team know about the league and the east and esports in general? Um, what are the goals of ownership group and buying into the league? Business plan. How the how do they even plan to go about funding it? Yeah. Mm, What's their strategy? Smart. What's their strategy for sponsorships? Uh, the interesting thing to say is is who's uh, how much trust and faith you place in Riot to to uh, be very stringent on these topics. Uh, how hard are they going to enforce these things? Mm-hmm. Um, who is who is really holding? Uh, it's one of those. Uh, Riot shall be both uh, judge and jury on this yeah. in this scenario, it's... and prosecutor, and you know defense attorney. Like there, there are so many elements that Riot is now placing themselves into. But you almost have to be right. To, to You're know. right. You're yeah. right. But it's yeah. faith in it's faith in it's faith in an organization that you have to hope that that but, has yeah, their best are, everyone's and best. And Riot, is, mind. Riot is the NHL. They are. The, the NFL. They are the lead. They're breaking well, so out. For, so for, but for those for, for those major sports organizations, you end up with, uh, like the NFL Players Association is disassociated. Is disassociated. So True. they are they are their own entity. They uh, they represent their players all on their own, and they do their own thing. Um, True. Ryan is and looking to put... we've heard a lot about the NFLPA you know, being mm-hmm. at odds recently. Right. So, and so and it's a, uh, for, for Ryan. At, at any sports organization, they're always at odds. Um, recently, uh, I believe it was called like the PEA, the Players, uh, is a professional esports association, which it talked um, about doing. There's something, um, like for, for beyond League of Legends, there's like the world esports. Yeah. I can't think of the, um, what is it? The, the acronym. It's like W. So, but one was the uh, for I think it was specifically for CSGO, a CSGO league. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we said Deb- the World Esports Association. That's okay. what it is. That's what they call. That's the uh, they call but there are like there are entities out there that do that kind of player representation. They're trying to because they, because they recognize that there isn't one congruent thing. Mm-hmm. Kind of like there are a couple of organizations trying to do it for collegiate esports within the U.S. That's clear. And so. Everybody's been kind of wondering: Is there going to be like, is there going to be an official players' association for esports? Because contractual issues and players' rights issues are two of the Rare. like 
Big Probably the top two issues I legally. It's a huge deal in Smite. Well, and I think um, I, every every four months there's another issue with, with since our organizations in Smite are not the big ones. There's an issue about an organization screwing over its players, not playing its we, players. Well, I remember the, the, the day we talked, you went over a couple of lawsuits with me, and I was like. Oh. Immediately, like throwing it back, like how is this happening? And I was like, "Oh yeah, I see how this is happening." <laughs> uh, League of Legends, uh, Oceana. The they had a couple new teams in there, and what they were, and one of the teams. Oh god, uh, somebody's gonna murder me who listens to this because I can't remember the name. Um, one okay. of the one of the teams down there. It's a lot of hearsay. Um, I'm very skeptical on exactly whose side to believe. Somebody, one of them posted, uh, like they had a lot of Skype chats with the owners and if things like that. If you want to search, go ahead. Uh, that's too. fine. It doesn't okay. matter at this point. Um, really, what the what the sum total ended up happening was is the organization was accused of treating their players poorly. Uh, they were living in, uh, it's, I believe it was the Singapore area, uh, or no, maybe it was the Sydney area, and it was, it, it's, it's hot, so they didn't get any air conditioning, they didn't get very good internet connections, they had a hard time practicing, they couldn't, like, they couldn't scrimmage against teams because it was just impossible, mm-hmm. um, and so what ended up happening was the team suffered, therefore the team did worse, and then the yeah. team got, the players got let go, and the players were, felt very slighted because they were like, listen, we, we were, we were unable, yes. we were yeah. unable, unable to unable perform before. at our peak level, be, and we got replaced for no fault of our own, yeah. right. and, uh, and so that was just a minor example of, uh, what happened, and I believe the the end total of that was is Riot that did their best to mediate between the two. Uh, mediation mediation court. did not mediation did not uh, come to uh, any sort of happy result for either side. Yeah, and so uh, I be- I don't don't quote me on this, but I believe Riot fell on the side of the the organization and said and people because the players well, were the organization that get yeah. suspended. But the organization did not get suspended. I think they got like a, uh, a monetary slap on the wrist I and bl- moved on. I believe and, that. And uh, like it's 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 those kind of examples that you always keep you wondering whether or not can you fully trust uh, a body that's both governing itself and running itself. And so I think that around to yeah that was long conversation yeah and so that was, yeah <laughs> yeah right well anyway so well, I, I think, was gonna get to my point all right. <laughs> Off. I have good points. They just find that they lose themselves in there somewhere. So, so, but fuck with Riot now. That's why I'm hitting my So then, with Riot now basically creating a uh. A, a, uh, a player player representative organization within the league, sponsored by Riot. It's essentially what the NCAA does. Right, except for the fact that it's not... Oh, it's what the NCAA does. They have, like, a thing, like, Sorry. a, a panel yeah. where Players student athletes... Where, where student athletes, like, they can represent themselves within it. They have a, they have a particular voice, but they don't really have And a we voice. all know how well-representative... NCAA players are right. in, in They have a voice, but they don't have a voice. Right? It's right? It We all know how that works out for those players. Yes. Um but anyway, but So really so the interesting thing about no, a player's organization is fun. how how impactful can a player's organization be when it's spoke when uh when, when it's you're dealing run. with when you're running when you're doing a player's organization for a singular esport where organizations span multiple esports. I think yeah. there's there's some very mm-hmm. interesting conversations to be had there because 
You don't necessarily need to... This is specifically... Riot is specifically League of Legends. So Riot is taking this initiative to be that involved as they are. Then you have that... Then their players and organization. But if you're talking about these organizations that have, you know, these other teams, that's when you need an internal one. You don't necessarily... Like, like, I feel like, the, like that's where, like, where it kind of gets weird because... Like this is specifically in regards to Riot. Like, what? But what I'm referring to is uh, I'm referring to I'm a I player A in uh, looking for I, I'm here to play esports and I think a lot of these guys are I mean they're kids right like yeah, for the most part yeah. God knows I don't make the right decision I made some good decisions at 19. Um, <laughs> and a lot of, like some of these guys like a lot of the the lot of the guys in the on the come up are probably not going to be. Uh, the most well learned and well versed mm-hmm. when it comes to uh, the legal twenty page contracts, right? The legal ease that it requires <laughs> to get understood. So if you have, uh, you can get, bring in a lawyer. That's fine. That's the exactly the way it should be. But um, they don't. But, but they, are, they, they could not. Know. But what I'm saying is, uh, whatever contract is handed to you, you bring in just a, a grade A lawyer. They could be great. They could say, hey, this things like these things should change here. Let's update this. Say uh, player B, I come in similar contract. My lawyer says, yeah, sure, this is fine. Uh, player C comes through. They get kind of up at E2, and they come up with some different ideas. But if there is a centralized players organization that has uh, the knowledge of what is happening with contracts in League of Legends and contracts in Hearthstone and contracts in yeah. Here's the Storm like and contracts like in Smite. in-house counsel for that almost. Right, so now like you residents. have, but you understand what a contract should, what a but contract I, should I look like you for can, you players can across that, all esports. I think that's almost like the better route because like you have like you think about the Olympics they have like their overall general like sort of if you have an issue with us you're gonna bring it up here but within that there are individual things for every particular sport in every particular region and I think and I think that's kind of it's kind of weird to think about it but with esports being so global. And with every that's game being so, and with every game being so different. Well, and that's but I think the Olympics are a great example here because you have uh, let's let's stick with track and field just just in general. There are a lot of very different events there. Let's yeah. let's I'm gonna take three off the top of my head: shot put, hurdles, and uh, high jump. Sure, high jump. Those are great. Three great examples of three events that have nothing to do with each other. Yep. But at the same time, I train for each event in a very similar way. I'm very, I do day in day out. I do a very, I repeat that task on a repetitive basis for an X number of years, and I go through and I get and I get to my end goal of being the best in the world. Now, for esports across the board, the way that esports occur, uh, while schedules might be different and uh, popularity might be different. The way you get better in eSport is you sit behind your computer or you sit behind your Xbox and you watch your TV and you just play the game over and over again. Yeah. And that action that action the human makes on a daily basis is the same no matter what eSport you're playing. Well, they say 10,000 hours makes you an expert. Yeah, right? My, uh, Malcolm Gladwell. My grandpa says do it 100 <laughs> times and you're probably an idiot. So, the, uh, <laughs> the, uh, but that but but all I'm saying is I think the action of of playing a video game is the same no matter what. So ha- it's a lot easier to regulate across the board, mm-hmm. uh, or at least have at least have a very good framework for understanding how to deal with these things across the board. And that's why like WISA might be a good thing, right? But then regionally, 
everyone kind of needs something. Totally. It's, if you're just answering up to and you say like yeah. our players organization re- right. rec- recognizes these rules, I think that's fine. But I think I think just having your own e- like your own entity, well, good is not great. So there are a couple. They're giving kind of the best of both scenarios. They're they're mandating. Um, a $75,000 minimum salary, which is great. That's, That's not true. It's close to what I make. Right. But it's great that they're sending something. Agreed. Because we don't know exactly what yeah. teammates in every team get. Like, depending on what position you play, all the extra stuff that mm-hmm. comes with it. And so... That's like a minimum salary, and then they're actually doing some revenue sharing, which is like what we see a lot of professional right. sports doing right now, so, which is really good. It's essentially almost a third, third, third distribution. Mm-hmm. But from what I gather from it, it's give us your legal mum with general. Let us know how you. Give from, us your opinion. from straight up what um they wrote on their website, it says that revenue sharing with the pros, with the pros, with the peop- with the players will be thirty five percent. With the teams, it'll be 32.5%, and then I take it that Riot takes the rest. So they take the latter just over a third. What would that be? 35 plus 32.5? 33.333 with a line over repeat. Yeah, basically. Yeah. (laughs) So I I heard what you said, Ryan. Yeah. Uh, It's a very complex system, but it simplifies revenue streams, right? Yes. Like when it comes to broadcasting and when it comes to... They make money off TV deals. The big thing is is simplifying revenue streams. Everybody gets uh, everybody gets a fair cut of what is consistent money, and consistent money means stability. Stability means investment. Investment means better organizations. Better organizations mean either better players or better facilities for players, and that helps generate better players in the end. The big four sports here in America, their players association, <coughs> aren't directly connected. To the uh, the um, right the league itself to, to right. the organizer. That's the big. That's the big. You know, that's think, the big I, question I think, mark with what Riot's doing I, here. And, and, and I think this is. I think this is a start. Well, I, I'm trying to interpret this as a starting point. That's I, right. I, the way the way that I see it is I think that Riot is going. They're creating this. They're creating this players association because it needs to be created. You know. You know. I'm going to relate it to something that I do on a regular basis. Right. I have. I have a group of college students that want to start a club they don't necess- they can't necessarily start the club by themselves I have to be there to make sure that they start the club and they want to give them the funding they want to give they them the it, means so, right. and like, they everything. want to give it to them and I think eventually after the, you know a couple years or whatnot they're gonna give full control over because you know like you said 19 year, these 19 year old kids how many of these 19 year old kids want to be on another committee? Right? You want to to do something else. So they're trying to get together, like, you know, a list of people. So, like, representatives, kind of like what the NCAA has. I like that a lot. I like that they're going through and they're taking the time to look at each... uh, You're not allowed to... If you want to be part of the Players Association, you have to get clearance. Whenever they decide what 10 teams, um, people can apply until, like, July 14th, I think is the date. Once they figure out the 10 teams... People can nominate representation within those teams. Right. Well, I mean, you you know, you know, look at all the other sports and look at you know the, the progress <laughs> that this has taken. For this this took five years, right? Five this years. This is insane. Yeah. Five years, and they're like, oh, we need a players' association. MLB, NFL didn't have players' association until what the seventies, eighties, decades. Decades. Yeah. Like they they'd already been playing the sport 
for 50 years before someone's like, oh, hey, he's, we should probably think about these players as actual people and not just property, right? The right. way that they have, this esports has progressed. So these, like, these guys need, uh, they need as much help as they can get. And all of these steps that Riot is taking to figure out exactly a way to set up a league that looks exactly like all of the other leagues out there where everyone's making money, everyone's benefiting, uh, at least to some point, everyone's benefiting. Yeah. Um, that seems progressive, that seems mm -hmm. uh, like it's treating everyone fairly. Trying to, trying is... to minim minimize the legal risks exactly. that everybody yeah. has been criticizing the past right. five or so years with the and now we're And now we're in hopefully taking that uh, that old structure into something that can be called the you know eSports 2.0 sort of right. thing. So how do but we cap When it comes to the restructuring... Of the LCS. Of the NALCS. When it comes to governance of esports, what do y'all have to say? Let's start with Matt. Let's start with Matt. What? What? What do you want to know? Closing thoughts, Matt. What's your closing thoughts? What closing thoughts? No. No. That's how it goes every time. I I think I think that that I think it's it's the right direction. I think that that it needs to happen, and I know both of you. Have your apprehensions about a, you know, the players' league. I don't, I don't think it's going to be as big of a deal as they think it's going to be. I think that it's their intentions are there to get it off its ground um, and then let the players run it. They just don't have the players to run it right now, and they're going to get there. Yeah. I think the whole, the, the thing that they're making a minimum salary, that they're revenue sharing, Riot is taking in the direction that esports needs to go as a whole. And hopefully it works, and hopefully the rest of the world adapts what they're doing. Yeah. yeah. I think you know, it's the right you know, idea. Matt, I really, I couldn't agree more with, with what you just said. Like, I think I think it's the right direction for esports to go in general, to develop. And, like, someone needs to make this move uh, to get away from the more amateur level Challenger Cup circuit that, that exists and into a more professional level. And I think, I do think League is the, is the, is the game to do it. I don't think... I think they're the they're in the best place to, to make this kind of change, you know. And I, I don't think other esports can make that change right now. Smite, my beloved, as an example, they're not they're not there. Um, but I think League setting the setting the pace and the groundwork for it is smart. And yes, I have apprehensions, especially about the player league. But hopefully, um, you know. It, it, it helps kind of spur the development of maybe a, a, a separately associated players organization. <laughs> Just to cap off, Matt. Oh, man. You can see it on the, on the like, it, it registered. From a non-player's perspective and from a legal standpoint... It seems like these changes are actually, knock on wood, they will actually move everything into the direction that Riot wants things to move in for the NALCS. And for the players, <laughs> it's all so bad. <laughs> it's a pretty bad one. <laughs> So the big the big thing I want to say is as esports grows, those who are taking care of it as an entity need to make sure that everybody gets treated fairly, and this is a big step in making sure that all parties involved get treated the way they should. 
Um, whether or not you agree that owners are evil or owners are trying to take advantage of players or the game company itself can regulate itself, I don't think it really matters. What is happening here is that a uh, company is going out of its way to ensure that at least some say is had by all, and I think that's a really big step, and hopefully we can see that across the board. So I think it's up to, uh, I guess uh, we want to say up to Blizzard and Valve are next. What are you guys, what's your next move? So Yeah, we'll I think see. that's fair. We'll see. Yeah. Cool. And that's a wrap. Let's have Chris close his thoughts and then finish with Jamie. So oh, I was going to actually have Chris close, but it doesn't sure. matter really. Go ahead, Jamie. I'll let Jamie go. Um. <sighs> oh, before you do. <laughs> well, clearly we're all adults and farts are still funny.